card filled out, you can put it in the offering plate as it goes by. If you don't have it filled out yet, you can put it in the wooden box in the back after. <laughs> I like that you have your winter coat on. <laughs> All right, let me pray. So Lord, as we, uh, as we give, would you fill our hearts with joy and uh, would your kingdom come and advance in this community, in this city, and to all of the world. And would your reign and your rule be evident, and may we be a part of it and participate. We pray in Christ's name, amen. We like to sing the doxology while the offering is being taken, so um, let's not do that one. Yeah, there we go. I'm not good on the minor keys. Let's sing this. Praise God from whom all blessings flow. Praise him all creatures here below. Praise him above ye heavenly hosts. Praise Father, Son, and Holy Ghost. Amen. Excellent. Well done. Well, we, we decided uh, before the service that Velveeta is the actual color of my pants. So... Not mustard, not generic yellow mustard, but definitely Velveeta. So I thank, thank my daughter Mercy for taking over my fashion senses. And somebody asked me this morning who dressed you, and I said my daughter, and they said she needs to do it more often. So that, there's something. Yes, very good. Well, we're in a series called Invited to Reach. And let me uh, start by going through the overview, and uh, then we'll get into today's teaching. So the overview is this, that we are invited to reach for God's promised future of healing and wholeness and reconciliation to invade our present realities. Life is filled with tension because we sense this promised future in our hearts, and yet we do not dictate how, when, and where God moves. In this tension, we can become disappointed, resentful, or even surprised. We may experience heartbreak. We may sense God's prompting. We may be surprised that God even shows up. But we will look for God's cues and we will reach together toward God's promised future. And this week's focus is this. It was purely compassion that moved Jesus to reach for people. Healing was not a means to an end. Instead, Jesus' aim was to fully love people. Jesus invites us to fully love with him. This is an invitation for our hearts to break, 
for the things that break God's heart and to be moved by what moves God's heart. So let me pray for us. Uh, Lord, as we step in to this conversation, as we um, set our hearts towards what you would have for us, uh, I ask and I invite your Holy Spirit to come and to hover above us. And that you would permeate that you would penetrate, that you would fill each of our hearts. And so you know the obstacles that are there, you know the resistance that's there, you know the rebellion that's here, that's in there. Lord, would you be gracious and merciful and call us once again by name that we would hear from you words of invitation and words of life. And so Holy Spirit, come and hover. We invite you and we need you. And I pray in Christ's name, amen. So first off, I want to say, well done, church. So through our small groups, we gave away over 150 lunches at the Community Resource Day this Wednesday. So give yourselves a hand. Well done. 150 lunches may not seem like a lot, may not sound like a lot, but when you saw the faces of those who were taking the lunches, it fills you with joy. Children coming with their parents after school and going through the line and being so excited that a lunch had been prepared for them for the next day at school that they would be able to bring a lunch and not have to receive a lunch that day was a big deal. Through crew, we gave 30 boxes of love to families in need. And these boxes will change their Thanksgiving days dramatically. And so church, I say, well done. You should give yourself a hand for that. In this series, we're being invited to reach, and I hope by now, through your small group work, through the Sunday teachings, that you've begun to identify a person or a cause or a calling that God is inviting you to reach for. But today, I want to talk about the why behind our reaching. I want you to consider this morning what it would be to have compassion drive our reach. In Matthew chapter 9, we find this. Starting in verse 35, it says, Jesus went through all the towns and villages, teaching in their synagogues, proclaiming the good news of the kingdom, and healing every disease and sickness. When he saw the crowds... He had compassion on them because they were harassed and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. And then he said to his disciples, the harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. 
Ask the Lord of the harvest, therefore, to send out workers into his harvest field. I want you to take note of Jesus in this text. Jesus does three things. Jesus sees. It's the first thing that we see here. Verse 36, Jesus saw the crowds. Now what we know in context is that Jesus was just coming off of a work trip. Jesus was just coming out of towns and villages where he had been teaching, where he had been healing, where he had been pouring out from himself. And in 36, he walks into a new environment, and there he sees that a crowd has gathered. And Jesus sees this crowd. The second thing that Jesus does is Jesus feels. It says that Jesus saw this crowd and even though he had been planning to get away, it says that he had compassion. He saw a crowd and his statement is that they're harassed and they're helpless. Jesus feels towards this crowd. And then the third thing is that Jesus acts. Jesus takes action. And you can finish reading chapter 9 to see how that unfolds. But in this text, we see that Jesus was driven by compassion to reach for healing and restoration for a harassed and helpless people. And we see that Jesus makes a profound statement to his disciples and he tells them to ask the Lord of the harvest, to ask God for more people who are willing to reach, driven by compassion. Have you ever brought up an observation to your boss about something that isn't getting done and that the boss needs to find someone to do it? And then the boss looks at you <laughs> It says, isn't that why you're here, right? <laughs> I have. In this moment, Jesus says, ask for more people who are willing to reach with compassion. So what is compassion? We need to know if it's going to drive our reaching. The dictionary definition is this, sympathetic consciousness of others' distress together with a desire to alleviate it. So functionally, we see another's distress. That's not compassion yet. That's an observation. We see another's distress and we feel a desire to alleviate it. 
And that is not compassion yet. Then we act into it, and now that's compassion. It is not compassion enough to see the need in our world. It's not compassion to carry the heaviness of the need in our world. That's empathy. To act into what we see and what we feel. Now that is compassion. So God opens our eyes and our hearts to see another's distress. And at the same time, there's a feeling stirring in us to see their situation made right. As we consider it, we begin to have a longing for the not yet to invade the now. And so under invitation, we act into the not yet. This is compassion, to see, to feel, to act. Now the Greek word for compassion is a strange one. Who are the teachers in the room, by a show of hands? Teachers, you got, you speak Greek? Un poquito? Can you, can you want to take a stab at that? What's that? Can you bring that word up? Imagine you have that. The Greek. You want to try that? What is it? Splasha somai. All right. We'll go with that one. Splasha somai. I would have said something way different and it sounded more like spaghetti. So, this is a crazy word. It's really interesting. And if, you, if you're an uh, NPR listener, Radio Lab, yesterday, anyone listen to it? Okay. You should listen to it. It's actually about this. It's, it was so, so fa- fascinating. Uh, the Greek word for compassion literally means to be moved to the bowels. Now, I'm not going to lie. I've always wanted to be able to work a reference to a bowel movement into one of my talks. <laughs> and today this comes true. And on point, my kids are cringing. <laughs> it's so interesting, though. To the Greeks, the bowels were considered to be the seat of love and sympathy. The seat of love and sympathy. And so compassion, they said can affect deeply the innermost self, which we would call the gut. It's where the term comes from. I felt it in my gut. Compassion can be a feeling within the innermost being, right to the core of who we are. And so today, I want to challenge your thinking about compassion I either want to encourage it or I want to stretch it. But compassion can be felt in the soul. And it sounds like this. I long for this to be different. I long for this to be different. And compassion can also be in the mind. And it sounds like this. This isn't how it should be. 
It's based on reason. This isn't how it should be. But also, as the Greeks encourage us, compassion can also be felt in the body. And it sounds like this, I feel it in my gut. In other words, God can use your whole being to invite you to reach, driven by compassion, to see, to feel, and to act. Jesus was driven by this type of compassion. Several New Testament references mention this exact Greek word for the way that Jesus responded to the crowds that would gather around him, to a man physically and socially suffering from leprosy, to two blind men, to feeding 4,000 people, to a son that suffered from a tormenting spirit, to a widow whose only son had died. It says that Jesus felt in his gut toward them. To summarize this, This is what moved Jesus to see, to feel, and to act. And I believe as we desire to share the heart of God, it's a good list for us to start with. Jesus was moved towards the lost and the helpless, to the sick, to the dying, to the foreigner to the socially marginalized, to the hungry, to the grieving. And reaching driven by compassion meant that Jesus would actually act. Jesus would actually act. The the desire to alleviate didn't stay only as a desire. It moved into action. The present reality that Jesus saw standing before him did not feel acceptable to him. And so Jesus would act. And Jesus would declare the not yet to invade the now. And this was compassion. Jesus was an active participant in the breaking in of the kingdom of God. This is what I love. Jesus was in tune with the desires of the Father, and it helped him to see. Jesus was in tune with the heart of the Father, and it helped him to see. Jesus already knew the priorities of the Father, And so it helped him to feel, this isn't right. This isn't how it should be. And therefore, when Jesus was driven by compassion, Jesus would step in and would act on the Father's behalf. 
declaring what was not yet to be. And Jesus said to his disciples, and I believe he says it to us today, the harvest is plentiful. You're surrounded by harassed and helpless people. The harvest is plentiful. Ask the Lord of the harvest to send some workers. Ask the Lord of the harvest to send those who will see and feel and act. I grew up with this type of active compassion being the expectation. Many of you know that I grew up in the Salvation Army, and the Salvation Army has branded itself literally on doing the most good. If you've ever wondered who does the most good, it's my parents, so. They, they're probably up there, actually, up there pretty close. But this was the influence for me in my spiritual development that it was normal. It was normal, it was expected, it was what you did. When you saw someone hurting, you looked, you considered, was the Lord moving you? If so, you stepped into it. That to me was normal. And this past two weeks as I've been thinking about this talk, there's been this refrain echoing in my heart and in my mind. And they're the words from one of the generals of the Salvation Army named Albert Osborne, and he wrote a hymn. But he was able to capture the compassion of Christ and our invitation to reach with that same compassion in this hymn. And it says this, the Savior of men came to seek and to save the souls who were lost to the good. His spirit was moved for the world which he loved with the boundless compassion of God. And still there are fields where the laborers are few. And still there are souls without bread. And still eyes that weep where the darkness is deep and still straying sheep to, the, to be led. And then this is the chorus. Except I am moved with compassion. How dwelleth thy spirit in me? In word and in deed, burning love is my need. I know I can find this in thee. Except that I am moved with compassion. How is your spirit taking up residency in me. How could the Spirit of God reside in me and I not be moved with compassion? Except that I would see harassed and helpless people with God's eyes. Except that I feel the Father's love for his children. Except that I am moved to act. How dare I say I'm filled with your spirit? Now I must confess this to you because it will make space for you in the conversation. 
Often my reaching is more motivated by guilt or by duty or by obligation than of burning love. Is yours? Accept that we're moved with compassion. How does God's spirit dwell in us? What a heart-searching question. Here's what I think. I think that we're willing to give the level of compassion to others that we're mindful of that we've received. I think they're directly proportional. I think to the degree that we know the compassion of God towards us, we will then reach and extend that compassion toward others. So let me speak over us here. What God's compassion toward us has been. And maybe you're hearing it for the first time. Or maybe you're hearing it for the thousandth. But this is God's compassion toward us. The wages of sin is death. But the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. We all inherited a curse. It's called sin. It's waywardness. And there's not one righteous or exempt. And the payout of our waywardness is death. But Jesus came as a gift to give us life and to do away with the curse of sin. And he didn't come because we were good. No, it was quite the opposite. When we were utterly helpless, Christ came at just the right time and died for us sinners. While we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Christ stepped in our stead that we would not taste the defeat of death, but instead receive fullness of life and of life everlasting. Not only did Christ defeat death on our behalf, but also Christ did away with sin. The psalmist says, for as high as the heavens are above the earth, so great is his love for those who fear him. As far as the east is from the west, so far has he removed our transgressions from us. As a father has compassion on his children, so the Lord has compassion on those who fear him. For he knows how we are formed. He remembers that we are dust. Jesus dealt with our death sentence once and for all by removing sin from us as far as the east is from the west. To put it into context, they thought the earth was flat when they wrote that. All the scientists in the room were like it. So the concept was eternal, as far, as far as could ever be, as far as could ever be, and, and never touching again. 
Not only did Christ defeat death and do away with the curse of sin, but also has given us new life. Because of his great love for us, God, who is rich in mercy, made us alive with Christ, even when we were dead in transgressions. It is by grace we have been saved. And God has raised us up with Christ and seated us with him in the heavenly realms in Christ Jesus, in order that in the coming ages he might show the incomparable riches of his grace, expressed in his kindness to us in Christ Jesus. For it is by grace you have been saved through faith. And this is not from yourself, it is a gift of God. Not by our works, so that none of us can boast about it. God has raised us up. God has rescued us by his grace. And not only this, God has secured our future. Something we could have never done for ourselves. Romans 6, Paul says, since we have been united with him in his death, we will also be raised to life as he was. Amen? Amen. This is the promise of our future, that we will be raised to life as he was. And this is praiseworthy. This is good news. This is compassion, that God sees us, that God feels great love for us, and that God acts on our behalf. This is good news. And this, I believe, is the why that should drive our compassion. And we can sum it up in one verse. This is 1 John 4.19. We love because he first loved us. God invites us today, come with me, see what I see, feel what I feel, act as I act. Why do meals for others? Because he first loved us. Why serve among the poor and the marginalized? Because he first loved us. Why sacrifice time to be a part of that carpool at school? Because he first loved us. Why answer God's invitation to reach? Because he first loved us. We may not solve anything. I promise you we won't fix everything. We may not see a full resolution to the problem or the need that God is inviting us towards. But every reach matters. from our brothers and sisters at the vineyard. This is what they said. They said, we believe that a necessary tension will always exist between the now and the not yet of the kingdom. We pray for the sick and we've seen many healed. We do the work of compassion and we've seen the poor restored to hope but we do not always see the results we want to see this side of heaven. Yet, we believe 
that every faith-filled act of prayer puts a deposit of love into the person who's suffering. And we have testimonies from every corner of the earth that at times the kingdom of God does break through with power to heal those who are sick. We believe that every faith-filled act puts a deposit of love into the person who is suffering. I love this picture. This is the high call today for us, church. To see, to feel, to act. Who is God putting before your eyes to see? God wants to make a deposit of love there. What cause or purpose is God stirring up in your heart to feel? God wants to make a deposit of love there. God leads our eyes and our hearts toward what he cares about in the world. And God invites us to make a deposit of love. So let's, let's close our eyes um, in, a refle- in a reflective place. And so uh, what I, what I want to do is invite um, the Holy Spirit to direct in this moment. And if there is something to see, someone to see, that God would bring it to your attention. And so, Spirit, we invite you. We lean in and lead our eyes to see what you see. And maybe seeing isn't the issue. Maybe we see a lot. Maybe it's the feeling. So, Spirit, would you direct the feeling? Maybe we've shut off the feeling because it's too heavy. Or maybe we've longed to feel. We feel like that's been separate, not something that we get to experience. So, Holy Spirit, would you hover We submit our guts to you. We submit the whole of our being. We say you can use it all. And maybe there's a roadblock before the first act, before the first step. Lord, would you, would you inspire by your spirit? What is the first step of acting? Would you make it 
easy and attainable. That we start with a win. That we be inspired by you and filled with your spirit. That we're not acting alone. Amen. Awesome. Thank you, Nate. The one refrain that I was hearing in my head during your teach too, plus feeling all the conflict of your, of your, in that teaching, right? So I think a number of us have conflict when we hear that because we're so driven by a duty or approval. We want God to like us and we're still wanting to earn his love, right? So if you've been in church for a long time or a little bit, that's probably where we are. It's one of the most dangerous places to be, right? Where we feel like we got to earn it. And so the promise of the scriptures talk about God putting a deposit of his love in us, right? That he, he puts this deposit into us of his love. It's the deepest work that many of us can experience ever in our life and a, a continuing work. It's one that I continually need. And I think that all of us, we continually, we need it, right? This deposit of God's love in it that continue to remind us, oh, we're yours. We're your kids. You approve of us. You're pleased with us. You love us. There's nothing we can earn. You really take a lot of delight in us. And you do want to send us but you want to mark us with your love. We have to have that deposit of your love so that can overflow from us. So if you're like me, that's what I need. And so let me just, just, let me just ask God to continue to, as he talked about that, that burning desire of God's love, right, to awaken that deposit that he's put in, for God to put that deposit in those who have yet to receive that, who are willing to receive Jesus, to fully receive that deposit of his love. And for the rest of us to be renewed, for that deposit to be awakened and to continue to be lit within us. So, um, would you, let's stand and let me pray for us. So, would, would, would you stand as just as an active sort of posture? This deposit is not by our doing, but it's about us receiving. And so, um, may we come with a posture 
not of earning, but of receiving. And so if you want, the posture of that is always sort of hands open. And so if you want to open your hands, you can. So, Father, our God, we are um, at times really confused people and really broken people. People, even as Pat was sharing his own story, right, stories of our own sort of families and, and, and our fathers and crazy things from our past, and, and we struggle to believe that you first loved us. We struggle to receive that deposit, and so it is your gift. It is by your mercy that you would pour that upon us. And so, God, this deposit of your love is the, it's the thing that shapes us. It's the thing that changes us. It's the thing that awakens us. It frees us from all of our guilt, from our sin, from our shame, from our earning, from our trying to find approval in you and everyone else. And we desperately need it. So, God, um, we reach. We, we ask, God, for you to, do, to heal us in that way with a deposit of your love. So come, Holy Spirit. Come, Jesus, reside in our hearts, the Spirit of Jesus. May we receive you fully. May we allow you to do what you want to do in us, trusting in you trusting in your love, trusting in your sacrifice for us, trusting in your work in us, God. That's what we're wanting to put our trust in, not in our own doing. So come, Holy Spirit. Fill us with your love. Remind us again. Let that flame, God, continue to be lit within us so that as you invite us into your love and to overflow, that it would flow from us with a motive, God, that can only come from you. So, Master Jesus, Savior Jesus, you say, pray to the Father first to send workers into the harvest. And so we say, God, oh, as our hearts are lit with your spirit, we ask, God, send laborers, send, send your servants, send your workers, send your lovers into the harvest, God, as it's plentiful. And may we hear your same spirit inside of us, freeing us, releasing us to go where you send us, fueled by your love. So God, do that deep work. This we pray in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Church, may you go.